Welcome to The Nod, a podcast about Black culture brought to you by Blackness's biggest fans. I'm Brittany Luce. Here at The Nod, we've recently been spending a lot of time thinking about food and identity and how each one shapes the other. And we've been asking ourselves and friends of the show, like what food exemplifies Blackness to you? Recently, I heard an answer that I could never possibly have guessed, even with all my 30 years of Black life on this earth. But it was beautiful and thoughtful, and it was delicious. And I just had to share it with y'all. Think of it as a to-go plate for the soul. It's a humid Thursday night in Brooklyn, and I've just knocked on the door of Hannah Georges. Hannah is a staff writer at The Atlantic, and she's also my absolute favorite type of human being. The kind of person who loves to cook and especially loves to cook for others. And tonight, she's cooking for me. She's going to make me the dish that feels the blackest to her. Before we got to cooking, we curled up on the couch and talked about how she fell in love with food in the first place. What would you say your relationship to food is? Um, my parents were born in Ethiopia, and I grew up in California. So I grew up eating Ethiopian food, like, two, three times a week, pretty much. Um, any big family gathering, it's basically always going to be that. But, you know, the way that you eat Ethiopian food, for the most part, is everybody eats off of one big tray or sort of a couple different trays if there's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's always been this thing that we quite literally are sitting around the table with each other. You're eating with your hands and you're not, you can't really text because your hands are dirty. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just this thing that you have to t- kind of stop and engage um, both the food itself and the people that you're with. There's all sorts of little social graces, like you have to not reach all the way across the tray and try, you know, get food that's like by someone else's hand or where they're sitting, like mm-hmm. what it means to share and to not like eat defensively where you're trying to eat something <laughs> just so other, someone else won't, um, which I did my fair share of too. I'm one of four. So like, you know. Uh, so today, uh, when we asked you, like, what is, what food sort of, like, exemplifies blackness to you? What's the blackest food to you? For me, it's lasagna. And I know that answer is different for a lot of people, but the reason I think of lasagna is, you know, lasagna came to Ethiopia and to Eritrea, which was part of Ethiopia at the time. Mm-hmm. That's a whole complicated history. But um, via sort of Italian colonial intervention... If we will. Okay. It's a kind way to put it. That's kind. Yeah. No, it was Italian invasion. Um, And I think so much of my understanding of what it is to be black, whether it's in the U.S. or on the continent, is to deal with things being forced upon you and making the best out of that. And it's also a dish that my mom grew up eating in Ethiopia but learned how to make here. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom, like from her friends, and my mom wouldn't have identified as black growing up in Ethiopia because it's not a relevant social category mm. when everyone looks like you, but yeah. she does here, right? And so like that that also feels like another reason it, it feels relevant for me because I wouldn't, she wouldn't or our family wouldn't be considered black back home, but here we are. And so like a dish that she learned to make here made sense in that way too. Wait, so when was the first time that you had this dish? Um, I feel like it's been such a constant fixture in my life that I can't think of the first time. It's at every wedding 
every graduation, every like big family gathering. So the real celebrations where it's like all of us are all there. So then it was time to do what I came there to do. Start cooking. And Hana had everything all set up. There was a big pot of salted water set to boil for the noodles, a well-loved Dutch oven sitting on the stove, and a cutting board topped with three yellow onions. This is a very onion-positive home. (laughs) I, you know, I, listen, I've seen people on Twitter say that they buy onions like one or two at a time, Uh and it really, really stresses me out. Like, I grew up with, like, a whole drawer that my mom would open, and it would just be, like, onions falling out. Like, I'd buy them, like, bags at a time, like, like big yeah. bags that you got to sling over your shoulder, because it goes in everything. So Hannah picked up a knife and got to work. Okay, so first I'll just chop up a bunch of onions, usually around a f- one full one if it's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes two small or medium ones or so. And then I'll get Hannah poured some olive oil into her like big, big red Dutch um, oven. It sounds lit. There we go. And dropped the chopped onions okay, into the hot olive oil. Okay, so you just drop the onions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm going to let that sweat out for a little bit before adding um, garlic and then a couple other things. I think that sort of the hallmarks of Ethiopian and Eritrean lasagna to me are that it's, there's usually much more garlic, more onion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes we'll put berbere, which is like our, our spice mix mm-hmm. um, in there. It just feels more robust, um, and I think... Italian lasagna can expect expect the cheese to do too much work. And I'm a person who is lactose intolerant but still loves cheese, and I know cheese can do a lot of work, but it should not be doing the work on its own. So I would eat lasagna from an Ethiopian person, from an Eritrean person, a million times over lasagna from any Italian, like including in Italy. Like I lived in Italy for three months. I studied abroad there. I don't want to hear it. Like, I had lasagna in Rome. I had it in Florence. I had it in Sicily. Like, it's fine. Spice-wise. Like yes. what are you What are you putting in? Like you talked about, I can't pronounce it. Can you please pronounce barbare? it? Barbare? Yes. Yes. So, barbare is like a, it's like a dried, here, I'll, I'll bring it out. Um, and obviously my mom. Wait. Okay, <laughs> don't act like you just pulled this jar out of the freezer. This so, is the size of. Yeah. Like, this is, you could keep a loved one's ashes in a jar this size. You could. And also, I'll go through this very quickly. Um, so, you can smell this if you want. Oh, that smells good. Yeah. Oh, that smells so <laughs> good. That smells so good. I don't know what it is about, like, just being of the diaspora and smelling like a truly African, like, dish. Yeah. Or, like, an element of a truly African dish. Because it's just, like, it smells black as hell. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? There's, like, an earthiness and, like, a warmth to it that feels so, like, second nature. Wait, so what's in it? It's a mix, right? Yes. Um, It depends. So people make very, like different ones according to like their family recipes or according to regions in Ethiopia and in Eritrea. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you what's in this exact one because this is from like some family back home, mm-hmm. but usually it's a mix of like ground coriander, um, dried chilies is like the main component, mm-hmm. usually like fenugreek, garlic powder, oh. cardamom sometimes. Yeah. Um, 
Exactly. And that's what I mean about it just feeling more robust in that way or more dynamic because it's hitting different parts. It's just a different set of flavors. Okay, so, so we've got so, this onion going. Yes, onion's going. Garlic. So we've got the onion in the pot with some garlic. Hannah then added some green onions and a little bit of fresh tomato. And then it was time for the meat. Anytime you're seeing meat, it's usually going to be beef or lamb because we're not huge on pork. Um, A lot of Ethiopians are either Orthodox Christians or Muslim, and so they just don't eat pork. I honestly don't think I really ate it until I was maybe 18. I eat a lot of pork now. (laughs) 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 Big fan of this wine, personally. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this, this is lamb, which I think, ground lamb, which I think takes better to some of the spices um, than beef does. So good. <laughs> Growing up before any big holiday, um, you see the, the lamb, the goat being, you know, carted off. <laughs> and you know how that's going to end. <laughs> so after the meat cooked down a bit, Hana added tomato paste um, and berbere right, so before adding even more herbs and spices like paprika, ground coriander seeds, bay leaves, oregano, and fresh basil. And after adding a lot of tomato sauce, she set the meat to simmer for a couple hours. Two and a half will get you a nice sauce. But to Hana, the longer it simmers, the better it gets. With the meat cooking on the stove, it was time to get moving on the noodles. All right, now I'm going to go ahead and add lasagna to the water now that we have it at a sort of rolling boil here. Pushing that down. Once the noodles were cooked, Hana started putting it all together. After careful layering of noodles, sauce, and then cheese, in that order, the lasagna went into the oven. And while it browned and bubbled, we kept on talking. So wait, so tell me about the first time that you made this. Um, It was a few months after I'd come back from Ethiopia, and I hadn't been to Ethiopia in... Before that, I hadn't been in almost 10 years. Wow. Um, and like I see a lot of Ethiopian people all the time, you know, like my family here, like all my, you know, all my cousins, like a lot of my friends are Ethiopian. But as far as being like going back home, it had been so long. And so I wanted little threads of it throughout. So how can I replicate it and how can I find or make or create a version of home? When did you know, OK, like I've, I got it. Like when did you know after sort of experimenting, like when did you find your home base? When it tasted familiar. And I think the first few times it was like, this this is vaguely reminiscent of something. But like, I think there was a specific time where I had like muscle memory when I bit into like the first like bite of lasagna. It's like you took you all these different like iterations and experimentation to like finally get back to the thing. Right, to get like home, basically. (laughs) So you mentioned that like this is like sort of like a celebratory food. I'm, I'm wondering like, is it like a fancy food? No, I mean it. uh, Is it a comfort food? Yeah, absolutely. A food that I think about in that way is fried chicken, Mm -hmm. where it's like, like, I don't know. Some people ate fried chicken every Sunday at their big mama's house. That was (laughs) not my reality. I think my sister came back from being away in Africa for a long time, and my mom fried chicken wings and made spaghetti. And that was like, I love you, you're my child. Welcome back to the United Mm -hmm. States. Mm -hmm. We're having Kool-Aid, this Mm -hmm. is the whole thing. Mm Again, like it means home, right? My mom doesn't make it that often when it's just us, mm-hmm. unless like I'm coming back from something and I'm like, hey, <laughs> don't you miss your firstborn? <laughs> don't you miss your eldest daughter? And right about then, it was time for the lasagna to come out. I hear the sizzling, I see it. 
First of all, let's talk about this crust around the edges, though. One thing I appreciate about Black people is we like our food to be browned on top. Yes. I cannot tell you how excited I was for this moment. I honestly sniffed lasagna a couple times just to drink in the whole experience. Okay, I'm not actually going to put any on my plate. This but please eat some. smells so good. And it also smells distinctly, it smells earthier than any <laughs> yes. other lasagna that I've ever had. And then the first bite. Damn. <laughs> and now I understand what you're saying. Okay, I have a couple thoughts. First thing is, <laughs> is that this is fucking delicious. That's the Thank first you. thing. The second thing is, is that... Now, In those like first bites, everything Hannah had described just snapped into place. The earthiness, the warmth, and the spice of the meat sauce, the creamy saltiness of the cheese. You know, even though the specific flavors weren't familiar, they still came together to make something that felt like home to even me. I kept eating... And we kept talking. Of all the dishes that you could have chosen. Yes. Right? Like all the dishes that you could have chosen yes. to sort of represent like blackness as a food. Yeah. Why did you choose lasagna? Lasagna is interesting to me because I, it, it feels like a thing that we took from people who obviously came to harm us. Like from like Italian colonialists. So mm -hmm. people coming with a very specific colonial um, like white supremacist agenda and saying, actually, I'm going to repurpose this and like infuse it with so much of like the essence of who we are that it's going to be something that's beautiful and bring my people together. So actually, this isn't yours anymore. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> like, I'll do your thing better than you did it, you know? So what do you think the story of lasagna and Ethiopia says about blackness? I think how we reclaimed things like in a culinary sense or just like everyday cultural products um, is so much of what I think of when I think about like the alchemy that is being black, right? And the like like little ways that we weave like magic into like the mundane. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that feels like what cooking lasagna is for me. Coming up after the break, now that we've fed our bodies, let's feed our souls. A friend of the show joins me for a conversation about faith, sexuality, and catfish. Welcome back, y'all. So a couple months ago, I read a book that was so delightfully real and honest and just straight up funny that I knew we had to talk about it on the show. Honestly, like one time I laughed so hard reading it on the train, I started coughing and a fellow passenger tried to get me to raise my hands in the air to stop. Like it was like that. The book I was reading was an essay collection called I Can't Date Jesus by writer Michael Arsenault. Actually, the book is more like a memoir. Arsenault writes about growing up in Houston where he was raised in the Catholic Church. Like, he even considered becoming a priest at one point. But the church wasn't the most inviting place for a young gay Black man. And a lot of his book is about how he figured out which parts of that faith to leave behind and which parts to keep. As I read it, I was surprised by one ritual that he still relies on. Prayer. So I invited him into the studio to ask him, how he gets his life. 
And now, it's time to get your life together. You. Yes, you. This is Get Your Life with Brittany Luce. So, Michael Arsenault, author of the New York Times best-selling book, I Can't Date Jesus, Love, Sex, Family, Race, and Other Reasons I Put My Faith in Beyonce. I love the way you say can't. Like, that touched my heart. Because I think, I mean, when you say I can't date you, that's not a it flat was very statement. Black. It you was, know what I'm saying? It felt it in my spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to me about your book just real quick. Um, it's kind of like learning how to hold without the fear of God. But more broadly, um, <laughs> it's essentially about me kind of reconciling who I am, what I was taught that meant. How do you take care of yourself? How do you get your life? I love to do a morning jig. Um, I bop in the morning. Every day I wake up my inbox, the news cycle, Racist people, dumb people are mm-hmm. all in some way going to try to zap the energy out of me. So I try to start with a bop. Um, I am late to sex and weed. Um, weed has been very good to me. Um, and just little things. Sometimes it's like buying catfish. And one thing I like to do actually still is at the end of uh, the day, I usually get on my knees and like look up and just start talking um, and do a little prayer. I think it's important to um, to show gratitude. I don't think God is like... Um, the lotto ticket that a lot of prosperity preachers make the Lord out to be, but I do like to show gratitude that way. So what did you like about going to church? Were you into it? Initially, it was kind of like duty, but I think because I grew up in a kind of chaotic household because of my my father, um, religion was comforting. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, in the context of being gay and black, I knew I liked boys at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and growing up really Catholic, you're obviously told that God doesn't make mistakes. But in your case, you are a mistake and you shouldn't act on it because you'll go to hell. This idea that God doesn't love you and that if you act on what is innate, then you are disappointing God and you are setting yourself up for damnation. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I actually do still have a very profound respect for the role faith plays in someone's lives. Mm-hmm. Like, my mom is the strongest person I know. That very much has to do with her faith. And I just wish what my mom and other people would see is that your interpretation of dogma makes me not want to live. It gives you the strength to keep going. It makes me not want to be completely alive or be alive. It just made me feel like, oh, this guy that I'm supposed to love so much doesn't love me back completely. Mm. What memories do you have associated with prayer from when you were younger? Praying to get out of that house. My father being um, an alcoholic and the house being turbulent. In my case, I thought, like, save me from this life that involves my father. Like, get us out of here. Oh, and to make me stop liking boys. Those are most of the prayers. So prayer wasn't as lit back then. (laughs) So let's fast forward to now. Like, what's your relationship to faith now? Um, I believe in a God. Um, I'm not going to church. I can't really explain that much. I just... I would never want to be in a position to make people feel the way that I used to feel about being gay. I pull what I like from it. But the name of your book is I Can't Date Jesus. Right. I might not be able to date Jesus, but I can keep the line of communication open every now and then. Jesus seems lovely, um, swell fellow. He was nice. He liked fish. He drank wine. He took care of his people. I can emulate that. I love catfish. (laughs) I tend to think more of God than Jesus, but that doesn't mean I have to completely abandon everything that I thought. And for me, prayer is just that one little thing that I keep with me that still, I don't know, gives me a sense of peace in just ways that nothing else does. What does your prayer look like? What does that look like? 
It's very simple. I just say, God, thank you for this day, or God, help me get through whatever, whatever, or God, I, and then I pray for my family. I pray for my friends. I'm praying for myself and people I care about, not praying to be changed. It's just me doing a little bit of conversation. I thank you, and I get up and I go to sleep. You do it on your knees, though. Yeah. Why do you stay- usually do? Yes, that's just a form of habit. That actually, yes, some things stay with you forever. That that part of the ritual I've kept, yes. It's a, it's a bit of a contradiction, but you know you can't you can't completely take the Catholic out of the boy. Okay, so this thing that you've learned, right? How to determine what faith means to you on your own for yourself? Like you said, you you you're not looking for anything to fill you up now. You fill yourself up. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful, by the way. Oprah's gonna find you. I promise. Oprah gonna find so. you. She's gonna find you. But I'm wondering, like, what advice would you give to somebody else who's like struggling with that? If you want to remain religious, um, it is still possible. If you're a queer person in particular, you need to find a place that actually welcomes you, not just tolerates you. I think that's very possible. Um, If you find yourself not wanting to be a part of an organized faith anymore, um, everyone's path is different. I would just say it can be lonely trying to find stuff on your own. Be prepared for that. But I knew I just wanted to find a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to feel alone. So mm-hmm. I had to find something that made sense for me. But I think both are doable. I have an advice column. Um, someone asked, can I be gay and Christian? I was like, you absolutely can. But can you be gay and Christian and find a church that wants to support Black Lives Matter, wants to protest uh, the migrants being held in these concentration camps, essentially, and would marry you and your partner down the aisle in North Texas? Probably not, but you can find other Christians and form your own sense of community. You might have to watch church online for a while until you find another church. I'm like, it's it's doable. It's just whatever you're looking for, you have to be okay with deviating from your norm and just stand on your own for a second. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. This is the most spiritually focused interview I've done so far. You know what? You threw Same. me for some loops. I had to think. <laughs> Real think. Praise <laughs> God. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. This has been another edition of Get Your Life with Brittany Luce. Don't make her have to say it again. This episode of The Nod was produced by me, Brittany Luce, with Eric Eddings, Kate Parkinson-Morgan, and Wallace Mack. Our senior producer is Sada Abdurrahman. We are edited by Emmanuel Barry and Jorge Just. The show is mixed by Cedric Wilson. Our theme music is by Khalid B. For additional music credits, check out the show notes. And if you want to try Hana's recipe for Ethiopian lasagna at home, you can find a link to it in the show notes as well. I promise you... It's worth it. Why you gonna you... go to my mega church? What's that? You gonna go to my mega church? <laughs> <laughs> it ain't gonna be nothing but like a Monica concert. <laughs> Everybody I gets need a five baker, dollars. Yes. We could all get Louboutins. Mm-hmm. Start a susu. <laughs>